Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Well, free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Eagle Hour. We're glad, as always, to have you with us around the state of Mississippi. Bob Getty and Kelly Santer in the First Bank Studios here in rainy, cold Hattiesburg. And Luke Johnson over there in warm, sunny Laurel in the First Bank Studios there, Kelly. Beautiful downtown Laurel. Yeah, nice and warm there, Luke. Sunny, bright. Considering we're 32 miles as the crow flies, it is the exact same, Bob Giddy. <laughs> I thought he was going to say to the top. You know, yeah, to the top. Yeah. To the top. <laughs> Opening segment sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue Pit. Be a great day to go to Dickie's and enjoy some uh, hickory smoked brisket or just all kinds. Of, they make the best turkey and chicken in the world. Uh, all sorts of great sides, free ice cream, and they'll cater your Super Bowl party. And you can ask for the Kelly Sander special, which is ribs, cream spinach, and ice cream. And and and, and beef tongue. <laughs> you like beef tongue, do you? <laughs> That's the Kelly Sander special usually. What is the weirdest meat you've ever eaten? My mother used to eat pickles pig's feet and it would just it would just make me nauseous to watch it. I, I think probably tongue. You've eaten tongue? Cow tongue, yeah. You know not not cow No, dung. Cow tongue. <laughs> cow tongue. What's it taste like? Chicken? Uh, it's dry. Um, kind of tastes like Braunschweiger. Mm. What about you, Luke? <laughs> <laughs> the, the worst meat you've ever eaten, Luke? I don't think you want to know. Like, I don't want to gross anybody out on the air. you got to remember, I travel internationally. So no, let's hear it. Some, Go ahead. Some unique... One time in uh, Northeast India on the Burma line, I ate dog, but I didn't know it until after oh, the fact. Oh, 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 Luke, no. Luke, tell me it wasn't so, a Boston Terrier. So it, no, the, the next time, the next time I was offered it, I said, in America, dogs are our best friends, and we don't eat our best friends. So no, I will not eat any dog. Um, up on the uh, Chinese border, I ate snake jerky one time. Uh, uh, I've heard snake is pretty good, actually. I what, Luke. I think Everybody is doing. running to Dickies now because yeah, they just want normal meat. I think you're out doing this. What about you, Bob? Uh, well, I'm going to tell you what it was. You won't have any idea what it is, Dalton, but I have, I've had mountain oysters a couple of times. Do you have any idea what those are? I mean, I know what no, oysters we're, are. We are changing the subject <laughs> To right the top. Now. Moving right on. <laughs> to the top. <laughs> All right. We got uh, basketball tonight, Bob. Well, we do. We have basketball tonight. Uh, we were hoping to find Coach McNellis. I think they're at practice right now, and Dalton's going to continue to try to reach her. Uh, we were scheduled to talk to her, but having a little trouble getting in touch with her now. But the Lady Eagles are back on the floor tonight against UAB. So the Miss off to a great start, 11-5 and five on the season, 3-2. and two. UAB's 11-7, and 3-3. and three. Looks like a close matchup, guys, and uh, maybe a swing game for for one of these two teams as uh, we get in out of the meat of the conference USA basketball schedule. And that that game is in Hattiesburg, yes. Yes, that's yeah. in Hattiesburg tonight. The Lady Eagles 
coming off a two-game road swing. Uh, they beat North Texas 65-57. Uh, to 57. Uh, They lost to Rice 64-57. Shante Hales continues uh, to show out. Great, great player. Tiny little thing, but but a great player. And Luke, I... uh this UAB, you never know between Southern Miss and UAB. USM holds a 25-18 all-time conference, one loss record against the Blazers. But tonight should be very competitive and a very important game in the in the race for the women's conference championship. UAB three and three on the year. They are eleven and seven overall. And yeah, when, whenever these two teams play, you, you really never know. What might happen? The UAB is on a two-game winning streak. They beat FIU and FAU at home this past weekend. Yeah, but it all starts with Shante Hales. Respect Lee Part has has just been phenomenal too. She's shooting almost fifty percent from the floor. Shante's shooting right at forty-four percent. Both of those are are averaging fourteen and sixteen points a game. Another another important part of this Golden Eagle team is Kelsey Jones, who has really matured this year. She's averaging. Uh, about six rebounds a game. Great inside force uh, for for the Golden Eagles. I, I think what what we've been talking about, especially the last two years with this Lady Eagle team, is the type of depth that we expected them to see. And Joy Lee is is getting that this year from her squad. They pro- were projected to finish sixth in the conference, you know, before the season started. So obviously, other teams in the league knew that the Lady Eagles would be tougher this year. But in these swing games, when you get the head to head advantage, you know, in tiebreaker situations later on the reason that's so important particularly in basketball we've talked about this is conference usa is a one bid team a one bid league right so the the higher you concede going into the postseason conference tournament the better because that makes the the early round games statistically a little bit easier because you're gonna have to win the conference tournament in order to get to go to the ncaa tournament all right the men are at uab i presume since the the women are here uh, the men get them a win over the weekend, but uh, Luke can really be great if they could put back-to-back together. But uh, going over there is never going to be easy uh, in men's basketball at uh, Alabama-Birmingham. It's a short trip, and so the the road, you know, doesn't get you at all. But man, when you when you think about what UAB's done over the years, uh, specifically, it's just hard to win over there. Um, UAB this year. Um, you know, up and down, um, like a lot of teams in Conference USA uh, have been. Um, Coach Ladner will be back tonight. Can can we hit from the outside again? The when you look at the three point shooting this past weekend with the victory, it looked pretty good. And but the, until you realize that Jay Malone hit six threes on his own, like that helps. And he hit five in the first half. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how much is uh, Jack Domi going to play underneath? We can ask, ask Patrick McGee that a little later in the program. Tyler Stevenson continues to be really, really, really good. The height is, is noticeably different. Gabe Watson, if he can hit from the outside, it takes pressure off the bigs inside. So again, let, let's throw him out there. I think that's that's Jay Ladner's deal. Let's Let's cut down on these scoring sprees from the opposite team and let's begin to knock down shots. Golden Eagles may not win tonight, but I, you, you got to look at it. It's baby steps in some ways, and, and I don't mean that insulting at all. It, you got to start taking medium steps and you get in the middle of the conference and you want to be playing your best basketball in a couple weeks. What I, what I will be interested to see in this game tonight at UAB is how the Eagles come out with, with now that win under their belt. And it wasn't, it wasn't a game you know, that they threw up a, a three-point shot at the buzzer. They beat Rice pretty convincingly. Now, I know Rice is not a world beater necessarily, but again, that old adage that once you get the first one, 
You know, the second and third one seem to be a lot easier. So I want to see their swagger as on the court tonight, see if they, if they are right. playing with the confidence and that carries over from the win Saturday over Rice. Uh, Kelly, you were a graduate of a Big 12 school, Iowa State. Uh, your thoughts about this brouhaha that developed night before last between Kansas and Kansas State? Yeah, Kansas is going to lose one of their players indefinitely because of it. You know, I'm probably not the guy to ask that question because I always tend to side on the, on the athlete's side. If you've ever played, and, and Luke obviously played in college, college football, football at a very high level, but when you're involved in games like that and you're a competitor and the adrenaline gets flowing, man, sometimes it's just really hard. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just really hard not to put a pop knot on somebody's head, you know, when, right. when you get the chance. <laughs> so I tend to side more with players. I know in this in – this, you know, I'm okay, you're okay, society, and let's have our safety zones and nobody needs to be bullied and keep your hands to yourself world that we live in, that people don't feel sorry for players. But I tend to side with players. I've been there. I know what it's like. I don't condone it, but I understand it. Um, so yeah. the, the league has to do something. I get it, but I don't, I don't blame players. Man, it just happens. It's part of it. Well, years ago I was doing sports for uh, WDAM and <clears> – <throat> Right at the end of a Louisville Southern Miss game, we're all walking out to the middle of the field, cameraman with me. A couple words are exchanged, and just before you know it, I mean, they're going at it. We're right in the middle of it, trying to get away from all of it. So it, it does happen. Luke, uh, your four year letterman, Southern Miss football, I'm guessing there were some times you saw things get a little rough between players as well. They got chippy. Uh, probably the, the worst I ever experienced it. I, I hit a dude helmet to helmet at TCU, got a personal foul. Our defense almost jumped the referee because uh, you don't throw personal fouls on kickers. But uh, it got chippy a, a few different times uh, against Marshall, and we never really had anybody off the bench, and that was just because of of uh, the, the way that Coach Bauer conducted our program. But, yeah, I mean, especially passionately. The closest that, that I ever saw it get into a throwdown in my junior year against Cincinnati, Cincinnati players got in the middle of the eagle in the rock and started jumping and spitting on it. And it almost oh, went down. Oh, and that yeah. was the uh, that was the closest it ever did. Luke Johnson, the only punter in NCAA history with personal foul penalties and an MVP trophy from a bowl game. You realize that, right? Nobody can match that but you, Luke. It's nice to work with you every day, too, Bob. I appreciate that. <laughs> he did mention the MVP trophy, though. Oh, yeah. So. Patrick McGee, Biloxi Sun Herald, joins us every Thursday. We'll catch up with the professor next on the Eagle Hour. To the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Welcome back. Glad you're with us this afternoon. I want to thank Campus Bookmart and CampusBookmart.net for their sponsorship of the Eagle Hour. Great selection of Southern Miss apparel. Kelly Sander wearing a Southern Miss jacket right now. Maybe it came from Campus Bookmart. It did indeed. Did it indeed. 
And they have all sorts of name brands. They have all sorts of uh, accessories, uh, women's clothes, kids, men. It's just a great place if you're a Southern Miss fan. Textbooks, too, because the the semester started uh, yesterday. Right. I think at, at Southern Miss, right? For the, so kids the spring still, semester? kids still read out of textbooks. It's not all in their phone. No. Well, I don't know about that, but I know they have to require to buy the books. How about it, Dalton? So. Well, uh, in my experience, this depended on the class. Um, I've, I've had my fair share of physical books for some of my courses, and I still have some of the ones that pertain to uh, my important stuff. Like all my business courses right now, they're digital. Because one of the programs that we use in class, it uh, it ties into the book. It's so, like it checks your answers and everything. But, uh, so you don't have to get the Harry Potter books there? like. <laughs> well, no, some of them I did. Like when I was in English, uh, when I first started, I had to get English books. And uh, I have a couple of my uh, communication books and things like that. But I bought them to keep them for like future reference and things like that. Hmm. But um, it just depends. Got to get textbooks now to know what they're, what they're on their phone when they do L- LMAO or whatever it is. Uh, all those little codes that they have. Kelly, like, Kelly okay, had Kelly? Kelly had books when he was your age, but he had to hide them under the mattress from his mother. <laughs> and they weren't books; they were magazines. They were I magazines. was going to say, did they have the fold-out no, poster no, in them no, and everything? That's, that's enough. Patrick <laughs> McGee is with us <laughs> from the Biloxi Sun Herald. He is every Thursday. We're always, always glad to have Patrick uh, on the show. Patrick, we're going to keep you a while. I want to talk to you about some of these football losses, but. Uh, Let's stay current. We've got basketball tonight. Uh, the men are at uh, UAB. They get a win over the weekend. Patrick, are you seeing any improvement in this basketball team? Well, I mean, it, you know, it came down to Jay Malone really having a big game uh, there on Saturday against Rice. I mean, it was, and it's that's kind of been a problem for Southern Miss all year is they just haven't got consistent, uh, uh, really good performances out of say multiple guys in the backcourt. But when you have a one guy kind of step up. And, and hit six three-pointers and score 27 points, that really kind of uh, 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 fixes that problem. So, mm-hmm. uh, it, you know, it, it's this is a team that's capable of producing, and there's seven guys that can probably or capable of putting up double-digit games at any time, but it's just been kind of hit or miss, and uh, n- not everybody's been on the same page. But for Jay Malone to break out like that, that was a, that was a big deal. If they can get more points out of him going forward, uh, Southern Miss is going to be much more competitive. Well, collectively, though, as a team, do you see the team improving, Patrick? Uh, I mean, it's it's a good sign. I mean, I I know for Jay Ladner, it's probably kind of weird that he missed out on the uh, the, the game they they won, and then with right. the illness. Uh, so it's it's still it's going to be like this the rest of the season. I, you know, it's there. You know, earlier in the season, I thought maybe they'd be able to build up in conference play and maybe run off a three or four game win streak. Uh, but right now, you, you don't really see that. They just haven't been consistent enough. Uh, but if they can build off that and then let Davies strength and start hitting in the double digits, uh, that's maybe whenever you can kind of uh, mm-hmm. maybe think about getting some wins, wins together. Luke, Patrick McGee on the Eagle Hour. Patrick, what, what's realistic? Um, I, I guess we, we were expecting the win-loss to be like this uh, in some ways because of the non-conference. I mean, do you see them picking up three, four, five conference wins down the stretch? I mean, what's the best-case scenario hitting bonus play for this team? Well, I, I just pulled up this, the standings right now, and they're down there kind of at, at the bottom with three teams uh, that have one win. or, or see, Southern Miss has got one win, Rice has got one win, and then Middleton is, he hasn't won a conference game. So uh, above that, you got two and four UTEP, which I think is a better team than Southern Miss. So – uh, the window is going to be tight for Southern Miss to really kind of get in and qualify for that conference tournament. But 
uh, if you can handle Middle Tennessee next time out, that would uh, really kind of be a boost. In other words, handle Rice, handle Middle Tennessee, figure out a way to beat uh, some of these other teams that are just above you. So you're really just not worrying about you know beating a, a West Kentucky or, or North Texas or a La Tech. It's all about kind of beating the teams that you can beat. And that's what's going to that's that's what really will put Southern Miss in a position to get to the conference tournament. What what is Jack Domi's um, uh, condition? I should say, you know, he, he hasn't played that much, and I know he's still getting back. But he had eleven uh, minutes against Rice the other night. Uh, such yeah. a in, in the early games and even in the expedi- exhibitions, I get those are weaker teams. But it was was really explosive. Do you see him being able to contribute fifteen twenty minutes down the stretch? Well, you would think he would get more time as they go. I'm surprised he's not get more minutes. Uh, he he may be still dealing with a little bit of a mobility issue at the moment. Uh, he's I guess he's played a couple of games here recently where he's gotten 19 minutes, but never to 20 minutes or, or above. So, uh, but a big deal is that you know Tyler Stevenson he basically played the same position, and obviously Tyler Stevenson has really done a good job of scoring uh, for the Golden Eagles here in recent weeks. So I, I'm not sure if it's so much you know Bobon's limited at the moment is that just Tyler Stevenson has really kind of stepped up at the five. So going forward now, you, you talked about even just qualifying for the the post the conference tournament, you know, let, let alone postseason play. So you always hear coaches say, "Well, the guys use this game like you're you're playing for something." So what is the motivating factor for the Southern Miss team going as as they now kind of start heading down the stretch? Well, it, it is you know qualifying for the conference tournament and then just play your best basketball at that point in the season and maybe pick off a couple of wins. I mean, that's really the only team's chances is just getting into the tournament and going there and just kind of uh, putting all putting it all out there for three or four days. So uh, that's going to be tough to do considering the, the lack of depth. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Southern Miss is only passed the postseason, obviously, through the conference tournament. Uh, but really, in terms of measuring success, is qualifying for the conference tournament than getting there and possibly winning a game. Uh, I think that would probably be a step in the right direction for Jay Ladner. Uh, it, you know, it's, it's obvious things are just going to be kind of up and down. It's been an inconsistent season. Uh, so it's just a matter of getting to a point where you have that five that's consistent, starting five that's consistent, and that they can kind of build towards next year. And it's really making sure these younger guys can kind of progress as the weeks go on. Continuing our discussion with Patrick McGee of the Biloxi Sun-Herald. You can find him on social media uh, all over the place, keeping you up to date on Southern Miss info. Let's let's shift gears now to football, where we're in the offseason now for college football. Patrick and uh, Southern Miss making some personnel changes. We mentioned Buster Faulkner. The offensive coordinator is gone, going to Georgia. And coming back into the Southern Miss fold, Tony Pecoraro, who comes back to Southern Miss from Florida. Atlantic. What do you make of all these uh, changes, and might we see some more? Uh, well, uh, I haven't officially confirmed Pecoraro. It may have been out there. I missed, but he was at Kansas uh, this past year as a uh, as a as an analyst, kind of the same no. uh, position that Buster Faulkner is going to on the offensive side at Georgia. So, yeah, I mean, I understand that's what I heard too. The Pecoraro was coming back. I haven't had to confirm that for me, but he's yeah. I mean, that seems likely. Uh, Nicholson is, was a blow. I mean, he was a big part of the, that defense, and, and he was a, a strong recruiter. Uh, so you, losing Nicholson is a blow. But you, you know, being a, if it is Pickerel who's coming in, which I, which I think will happen, uh, that will obviously be a level of familiarity there. He's a former defensive coordinator with Jay. Uh, he should fit in nicely. Uh, but losing losing Buster Faulkner was a bit of a setback. We'd like to have some consistency. 
uh, going into Jack Abraham's senior year. And, and uh, Jack's, I think, had five different offensive coordinators since he left high school, mm. uh, whether it was at La Tech or Northwest or Southern Miss. So uh, it's a less than ideal situation for Southern Miss to go out and hire somebody. But as we all know, Jay usually hires people that he's familiar with. And, you know, I guess one guy that comes to mind has a job at the moment is Wes Koenig, uh, who was on the staff last year and then got hired as OC at Kansas where he was let go, I think, midseason. So he's available. I'm not saying he's going to be the guy, but there's there's a name or two out there that do come to mind. Uh, but it's it'll be interesting. Uh, I mean, he could shift gears and, you know, decide he wants to run. Uh, Jay could shift gears and decide he wants to run the ball a little more. I don't know. Uh, but obviously they haven't been able to do that. Uh, but we'll see what happens. That's obviously a critical hire, the offensive coordinator going into a year where you have a pretty good amount of talent come back on offense, even though you're losing to Quez Watkins. Is this all about money, Patrick, or are these guys just wanting to get out of the program, or is is it all about the money? You know, I, I haven't, you know, I, Faulkner didn't return my call, and I haven't talked to Nicholson. I think the move for Nicholson made a lot of sense uh, for him. He was at Louisville briefly, I think, before he started working with Jay at Alcorn. Uh, so going up to Louisville, that that makes a lot of sense for him. It's a bump in pay. It's a move up the chain uh, going into the ACC on a good staff. Uh, for Faulkner, it's closer to home. Uh, I don't, you know, he may be making more money out there. I don't know. I mean, uh, anal- I don't honestly, I don't know what analysts make these days in the SEC, but it may be a, a large sum of money for all mm-hmm. I know. Uh, but it, it was interesting to see Faulkner make that move. Maybe he sees him if he goes to Georgia. All of a sudden, you say next year he may be the quarterback's coach mm-hmm. uh, for Georgia or have some other role, and that, that puts him in a position to maybe move up and become an SEC coordinator if he does well. I think Todd Munkin will do well there as the, as the offensive coordinator. I think there was some, uh, there was a little bit of overlap with Munkin at Southern Miss and Faulkner at Middle Tennessee, so uh, maybe that's kind of a sign of respect that Munkin has for Faulkner and the job he, he's done at Middle Tennessee and what he brings to the table. So I'm interested to see kind of where things go from here on out for Buster. All right, uh, Patrick, we're going to hold you over and talk a little baseball. It's just right around the corner. Patrick McGee is uh, with us from the Biloxi Sun-Herald. Always enjoy our conversations with the professor. And today's conversation will resume right after these words. Southern Miss to the top. Back on a rainy Wednesday. Appreciate you listening and being with us on the Eagle Hour. Bob, Luke, and Kelly and Dalton from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel, Mississippi. Appreciate First Bank for being with us from the very beginning and being our studio sponsor. Third segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you every day by 4th Street Bar and Grill, located on 4th Street in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, home of the 895 Lunch 
with a soft drink, sweet tea. Swing in there and see our friends over at 4th Street Bar and Grill. We continue with Patrick McGee from the Bluxy Sun-Herald. And Patrick, going back to the uh, OC before we jump to baseball, is this a no-brainer where they just promote Scotty Walden, who was a co-offensive coordinator last year? And In my opinion... I think Scotty could be a very, very, very up-and-coming uh, national offensive mind. Uh, he was a head coach at age 25. He was an OC at age 23. Is this a case? Uh, why do you think has he not been promoted already? I don't have a great answer for that. I know <clears throat> footballscoop.com when it first, I think, reported uh, that uh, Faulkner was gone. They indicated that they expected Southerners to hire outside the program, so if you, if you believe that, I, I, it won't be Walden, his offensive coordinator. Uh, you know, he's still young, but, I mean, he's got plenty of experience up to this point. I mean, I don't, it seems like he's kind of been prepared to, to fill this role. I think he'll, he has to be taken seriously for the job. I don't see why not. Uh, but right now, I just don't know. Um, uh, you know, like I said, Hobson may decide to go a slightly different direction with the offense. Uh, you know, I, uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't. You know, that's that's a good, great question, and I just don't have the answer for it. Do you think where we are now? I mean, are we possibly a week, two weeks from from knowing that, or do you think it? Because tomorrow will be seven days from Buster uh, heading to Georgia. Yeah, I, I think we'll probably find out pretty quickly. Um, I mean, we would like to get that done. Of course, most everybody's already signed up at this point, but. Uh, if you could get it before signing day, I think that would be to USM's benefit. So usually they make these hires pretty quickly, especially with uh, February coming up. Hey, Patrick. Last, uh, last question Last question for me, Bob, real quick. How does – because we were all excited about this, this signing class, and so you're losing a co-defensive coordinator, you're losing a your offensive coordinator. Do you think there is will be any repercussions from that, uh, especially from some of these big names that we were able to land in December? Yeah, I get the impression if you look at Twitter, I think I saw some people doing the thumbs down whenever uh, Faulkner announced he was leaving. I, I, uh, but, you know, they'll have to bring in somebody that can kind of convince everybody to, to work along, to, you know, work alongside each other and, and work together and, and get these recruits uh, believing in whatever the, you know, whatever the next guy has to offer. So it, it doesn't help, but I mean, they're already inked up. They've already signed. I don't think we'll have any situation where somebody's threatening to pull out and just not go. Uh, I, I, you know, I wouldn't believe that's the situation. I guess it may be possible with one or two, but I, I don't think it was, it was thought of in a positive view from the guys that have already signed. Hmm. All right, Patrick, let's switch gears. Let's, let's move on to the sport that's about to start. It's a lot of excitement about the new baseball season, as there is every year. Brand new, beautiful baseball field and some new faces. When we talked to Scott last time, he indicated to us that this will be a team that is going to lose a lot of power, a lot of home run type power. They're going to have to rely. They're going to have to get better defensively than they were last year because they don't have the bat power to overcome errors. And they're going to have to be good uh, from the mound. When you look at this new edition of Southern Miss Baseball, who do you see being key, and, and what do you think overall fans are going to see this year? Well, obviously, the, the really most crucial deal in the lineup is just really replacing the entire 3-5 through five or 3-6 through six or 3-7. through seven. Uh, You've got Montenegro and Guidry back. That'll, that'll be great at the top of the lineup. Uh, but can Danny Lynch, Danny Lynch be a three-hole guy? Can Will McGillis be a cleanup? Uh, can Fisher Norris kind of be that pop they need in the lineup? So, 
Uh, those are guys that you know uh, Barry, uh, Scott Barry thought had a really good fall. Uh, he's going to rely on them to really step up and provide a little bit of pop. I don't think we may not have one guy hit uh, double digits for Southern Miss in that lineup this season. So, uh, home run, Jimmy. Yeah, yeah, double digit, double digit home run. But Austin Izio, uh, a transfer from Pearl River, is somebody that can maybe uh, you know be a little bit more an experienced bat that they can kind of pop in. Uh, he did a really good job at PRCC, uh, playing a key role for them. So. Uh, it's all about how are these new guys going to plug in. But I, I think this team is going to pitch really well uh, with Gabe Shepard being the ace. And you got Walker Powell backing him up uh, and, and, and really have a lot of arms back in the bullpen. Uh, so I, I, this team has a chance to be really good. It's just going to be a very different style of baseball for Southern Miss yeah. compared to the last three to four seasons. I think when you kind of look at it, Gidry may be your power hitter. Yeah, and, I, you know, and, and Barry's. Is, is the guy that you know once a guy plugs into a, a spot in the lineup, you like to kind of leave him there. But I, I'm a you know I like the idea of move, maybe moving Gidry to the three hole. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I, to me that makes sense. But you know, like we seen in the past, Scott Barry wants to see the guy uh, really excel in one role. He's not going to really change things up. So I, I would I think Gidry's going to be back in the two hole. And we heard McGillis would probably be moved to first base, and the kid from West Jones right. steps in at short. You think that's realistic? Yeah, that seems to be the the most likely scenario at the moment. Uh, apparently, McGillis hit hit the ball pretty well in the in the in the fall, and he played a really good first base. Mm-hmm. And you know, for, first base hasn't always been a, a really strong point for Southern Miss. So if you can plug in a really good defensive guy at first base and have him mm-hmm. hit two seventy, two eighty, six or seven home runs, uh, maybe you get enough production there to to make that make sense. So uh, yeah, so I, I think McGillis is probably. You know, it's no guarantee once, you know, day one gets here, but at the moment going into really the start of uh, practice, I think McGillis has a good shot to be that first baseman. All right, Kelly just came from a Civic Club meeting where two of the baseball coaches were there. Is that what they reflected, Kelly, what Pat's saying? And Christian Ostrander and, and Coach uh, Creel were both there. And uh, one, a couple things that, that Coach Ostrander pointed out is with this new surface that has been so highly heralded, he expects, you know, generally speaking, if everybody stays healthy, that the ERAs will come down a little bit. Infielders will get a little bit truer hops. So, but with that though, uh, and you guys have mentioned it's been well documented the lack of pop compared to last year's team in the lineup. So, they think you know generally speaking there's going to be a lot of three to one games, a lot of you know four to two games. There's just there's not going to be these offensive out now. Of course they hope that that'll happen. Right. But generally speaking, from a characteristic standpoint, that's kind of what they expect. A couple of other things that uh, Coach Ostrander said that there are four. Freshman, freshman that he thinks are going to see significant innings on the mound. Uh, he likes he likes their depth so that they can go to matchup situations. You know if they need to. Um, they've Marshall is not into the, to their new stadium yet, uh, so they're going to be playing Marshall on almost like a cow field in Huntington. It's just it's just not a good situation that they play there this year. But they expect Old Dominion uh, to be good and FAU. You know, to be the, those to be the top two teams, FIU is improved. Um, but they're, so the, the pitching staff is deep, healthy. Auk is coming back from surgery. Um, they said he's been throwing quite well. Um, so they, they like their depth in the pitching staff. But don't be surprised if you see four, right. you know, freshmen out there on the mound. Patrick, as, as Coach Barry said, I, I want to get your take on this. 
that the team has to get better defensively. He said last year was probably the worst defensive year since he's been here in the number of errors. But he said they were able to overcome a lot of that, you know, with three and three run home runs and six and seven run innings. And he don't think that's going to be there this year. So he thinks uh, defensively this team has to improve a lot from last year. Will the new field help them do that? Yeah, like you said, it makes the hops a little bit more predictable. And I expect them to be better defensively on the infield this year. In the outfield, it kind of remains to be seen. Uh, but last year, really, the errors kind of came early in the season. And I think that's really whenever they start playing their best ball, whenever they start playing good defense down the stretch. And that made a big difference for them. But, you know, and we keep talking all that, you know, it's going to be 3-1, 4-2. You know, if you look back over the, the history of Southern Miss baseball, there's been times where you go into the year, oh, where's the offense going to come from, this and that. Next thing you know, the season starts up, and they've got one or two guys that are just, you know, knocking over the wall. So it wouldn't surprise me if we see one or two guys really step up. That's kind of the way it happens. Uh, usually somebody is able to step up and be that kind of cleanup guy. So it may be a month or two into the season. But I think eventually Southern Miss is going to hit the ball well, as long as some of these younger guys can eventually kind of progress through the season like a Dickerson. So, uh, but, yeah, I, I think the field is going to be good for them defensively, uh, but they have to be really good. You know, really good pitching, really good defense, and just efficient at the plate. That's what it's going to take for Southern Miss to be successful. And with any team in any sport, it's not necessarily how good you are, but how good is everybody well, else that, in the that, league? That's a big deal, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, if everybody else in the league is down, your su- supposedly average team will wind up looking pretty yeah. doggone good. Can know? the Eagles right. repeat and win another conference championship, which would be, what, five straight years? Yeah, they're, they're perfectly capable of doing that in the league hasn't been that deep. I mean, they've had three or four good teams, but outside of that, I think, you know, Southern Miss is always going to find a way in this conference, the way it's set up. In my, They're going to be a top three team. Whether they get to the to the very top remains to be seen, but uh, we see how Scott Barry recruits and the quality of players they have compared to other guys in the conference. I expect Southern Miss to, again, to be a top three team in the league. Well, they'll clearly, though, last question, they will be the team with the X on their back in Conference USA. Am I correct? Oh, yeah, always something that's now is, is that is that team that everybody knows they have to be. Right. All right, Patrick, have a good weekend, brother. Stay warm, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you next week. All right, thanks, guys. Patrick McGee, everybody, the professor from the Biloxi Sun-Herald, and we'll be right back. Appreciate Patrick McGee spending time with us on Thursday, as he does every single week. Professor down at Bluxy Sun Herald. Got some great content out online. You can subscribe uh, to his exclusive Southern Miss content. And we were talking about the downfall of of uh, media yesterday, especially with coverage for Southern Miss. Patrick McGee covering Southern Miss all the time, and we appreciate him joining us on the Eagle Hour 4 segment brought to you by Toyota of Hattiesburg, located on Highway 98 and also at toyotahattiesburg.com, and we appreciate their sponsorship 
of the Eagle Hour. Softball set uh, to start February the 7th. I was uh, messaging Coach Mark Mulvaney last night and going to get uh, some of uh, people from softball on. The CUSA softball preseason all-conference team selected uh, today senior shortstop Lacey Summerland and junior center Destiny Brown named to the preseason all-conference team. Lady Eagles picked to finish seventh, and of course that's a preseason poll, but we'll uh, be getting uh, softball on the show in, in the coming days and preview that. Coach Brian LeVan in his first year as uh, head coach. Uh, basketball, as we mentioned, uh, playing tonight, Lady Eagles uh, at home against the UAB Blazers, tip off tonight at 6 p.m. in Reed Green Coliseum. Men on the road over in Birmingham taking on uh, the Blazers of UAB, tip off tonight at 7 p.m. over in Birmingham. Uh, guys, officially, uh, the Pete Taylor project is finished. The uh, the park uh, floor, uh, the the grass, the dirt. The whole thing, it's done, official practice tomorrow, and we are 22 days away from the opening of baseball season. Can't wait. I know it's a great accomplishment for the baseball program, and I guess it's days like today uh, down the road, Kelly Sander, that that's, that field's going to pay off. And when they can host these tournaments and these 4 o'clock summer thunderstorms that come in and it pours for about 20 minutes, you know, they, another 10 minutes and that drains off, they'll be ready to play. So the financial impact of this new field is certainly going to be uh, helpful to Southern Miss. It'll be definitely a plus. Something that caught my eye in the newspapers this morning, you guys, a report from the National Youth Sports Coaches Association did a cross-section poll of coaches, both uh, coaches that coached men and women in a variety of sports at the collegiate level. And their polling questions were, what were the top three questions that these college coaches ask high, high school coaches about their high school athletes? The top three questions that college coaches ask high school coaches about high school athletes. Number one, how are their grades? Makes sense, right? Number two, how would you describe the athlete's work ethic? Another logical question, right? Luke Johnson, Bob Getty, what would you guess? Now, I think, Bob, you might, in our pre-production meeting, I, I told you, but Luke, what would you guess would be the third most asked question by college coaches recruiting high school athletes? A question asked to the high school coaches. Third most popular question. Any guesses? Uh, the ones that I would think would be the top two. Okay, sure. But, the, how, but how much are they on their phone? <laughs> I don't know. Well, I mean, I, I see where you're going with the new generation, and, and this is kind of, the third most asked question is, tell me about the athlete's parents. And, you know, that surprised me because you would think when you reach the level of college athletics that parents would back off. Oh, <laughs> no, 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 no. You would think. You would think, wouldn't you? You would think. But, but to me, that is telling about this travel ball mentality that parents seem to have that, that these coaches don't know what they're doing. And, look, I pay my money and my kids should play this position or – you know, be should bat fourth or play shortstop if you put it in a base, baseball context. But the third most asked question by college coaches is, "Tell me about the parents." Boy, that that should be a wake up call to all the kids too. To tell your parents, "Look, I'm I'm older than twelve now. Okay, I got this. I can talk with my high school coach. You just sit in the stands, enjoy the game." 
Right. Be encouraging. But other than that, shut up. All right, well, all your years and your years were, were later than the <clears throat> period of time that I was involved in coaching kids. What age group were the parents the worst? Gosh, I, it was across the board. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. To the top. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but more, but more, boy, I could get in real trouble here. So I, th- I think I'll just let it go. But parents have been more, are more active than they should be. At what age? At all of them, yeah, really. Yeah. I mean, actually, I shouldn't say all of them, like five and six years old when they're just, but, but when it's clear that the child has a bit of an aptitude. The parents cop start copying an attitude. Ten-year-olds, you're getting See, parent troubles. Oh yes, at ten years old. Yes, I am indeed. So thankful for my dad because yeah. if any there was any perceived injustice against me, my dad would 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 have said something to this effect: "If you want to overcome it, play better." There you go. Yeah, well, Do you, something. You had the you had improve a good dad. your game. Make them make them. Deni- you know, it, it. You do nothing that would cause them to deny it. No, you're right, Luke. Thanks, but, dad. but we're seeing it in the transfer portal now. It's not about working harder. It's not about beating somebody out for the position. It's I'm just going to play, and if I'm not good enough to play here, I'll go to school X Y Z and play there. Right. So it's it's terrible. All right. Well, the good news is tomorrow's Friday. That's our favorite day of the work week. We look forward to being back with you then, and we will be right here. Same same place, same channels. Hopefully Hopefully we're talking about a win over UAB. There we go. Until then, Southern Miss. To the top. To the top. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.